Welcome to the Heart of the Athlete. This is Reggie Etheridge welcoming you to the radio program for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, featuring what God is doing in the hearts and lives of coaches and athletes in Idaho. Now, here are your hosts. Well, good morning, folks, and welcome to the Heart of the Athlete. I'm Ken Lewis, the director here in Idaho for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and my co-host this morning is Sean Rooney. Hey, Ken. Good morning. Sean, it's great to have you in here. And uh, folks, for those of you that uh, don't know Sean, Sean is our director for FCA in Canyon County, the Napa Caldwell, Melba area, Middleton, uh, stretching out the Greenleaf and Wilder and over towards Homedale and Marcin. So Sean, it's great to have you here. And our guest this morning is pastor and author Jim Wilson. It's a privilege to be here, gentlemen. Well, it's, it's going to be great to, to be with you. Here. And I know we interviewed your wife a couple weeks back, and uh, we're anxious to... You already talked to the brains of the operation <laughs> <laughs> and well, the beauty. It was fun to interview her, and, and we're anxious to, to hear you know what, what you have to share this morning. We're excited about that. And before we get to that, Jim, we want to thank our sponsors. First of all, uh, KBXL and the Schaefer family here at 94.1 FM. We appreciate all their support and uh, just their vision of, of uh, wanting to hear, have on the air, uh, what, what God is doing in the lives of athletes and coaches in, in, in the Treasure Valley. And also Awakenings Coffee House there on the northwest corner of uh, Overland Five Mile. Appreciate their support. And also uh, Hall & Associates, uh, Coach Skip Hall, former Boise State football coach, coached at Washington, Kent State, and Colorado. And he's been involved in FCA for a long time. Appreciate his support of the ministry and uh, as well uh, their uh, uh, their financial planning um and uh, investment um, uh, business here in Boise. We appreciate them. So, well, um, w- Jim, we uh, we're excited to to talk to you today. Um, you uh, you've pastored and you've been in Australia. You you grew up in California. Where, where in California did you grow up? Well, I grew up really in the in the heart of the San Fernando Valley, a little town called Sherman Oaks. Uh, and but it was it, it is the geographical heart of the San Fernando Valley and. As a teenager, I didn't know there was anything outside of the valley. I've learned learned a few things since then. <laughs> and, and as an athlete, you were you were a surfer. I was right? growing yes, up in yes. Southern California. I, I played I played football in you know junior high and 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 not in senior high. I kind of let it kind of let it go. But surfing was my was my favorite sport. It was where I felt the most. Um, interestingly, I did not I did not believe in God at the time, or at least not not God who was a person. I met the Lord Jesus at age twenty two, uh-huh. but as a teenager, if you asked me if there was a God, I would say, well, there's a, there's some reason for gravity, but it's not a person. <laughs> but and this is something I have in common with the protagonist in Generation, who uh, would actually say these things himself, uh, Jonathan Randall. But I, I I would have said when I was surfing, I was riding on the back of creation, in the on the waves, mm-hmm. and. If I had pursued that thought, I would have well. Somebody must have created what I'm riding on the back of, and I I refused to do that uh-huh. until I was until I was about twenty twenty one years old. Wow, as, as many people do, right? But but I would never have said anything that like it just happens. No, I'm riding on the back of creation. Mm-hmm. Well, and and we want to we want to talk. You're also also an author. You've offered authored several books, and you've been you used to have a radio program in Northern California, Redding, Chico area. I've mm-hmm. got a bunch of family up in Redding. Loved area. every minute of it too. And uh, you uh, spent some time in Australia, and that's where you met Jill. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I know we want to talk about a little bit about this book, and uh, it's in- intriguing to me because I know it's a, it's about athletes. You've mm-hmm. got like a, a baseball player is one of the character, uh, a, a football player, some swimmers, and mm-hmm. they're all surfers. Mm-hmm. And uh, am I missing any other athletes in here? Not that I can recall, though I wrote the book a little while ago. <laughs> <laughs> and Sean and I haven't read the book yet. That's, yeah. 
<laughs> I'm going to have to reread my own book. But, uh, no, that's, that's pretty much yeah, it for the Tell athletes. us a little bit about that. And, uh, and we've we got a few things we want to get into with that. Well, but. athletics for, for these guys is the way they is, is what they're in love with about life. Mm-hmm. This is particularly true of Lonnie, who's very, very upfront, wears his emotions on his, on his face. And you, you see him when he's on the baseball field, you see the joy of playing the game, of using his body. He doesn't know, know the Lord yet either, but he will, over the course of the story, simply by being who he is, by pursuing what he would call an you know, authentic humanity, mm-hmm. he, will, he will eventually meet the Lord. But, but it, for athletics is not about, I've got to be better than anybody else. It's, I've got to be me, and this is how I get to be me. And that, that, that kind of sums up for me what I, what I talk about, the, the dichotomy between uh, excellence and perfection. And you won't find those words used in the book Generation, mm-hmm. but that was what was in the back of my mind in, in writing it, that, if, that, that to, to pursue perfection, we want to do something better than anybody else. I want to hit 350. I right. want to throw. Right. I want to throw six touchdown passes goals. in one year. Yeah. All those goals. All those goals. And there's nothing wrong with having goals. But if that's all you've got, right? That's all you've got. Yeah. And and if you're pursuing excellence, you're pursuing a whole life, mm-hmm. w- whether or not you know the Lord. Yeah. But the but the Lord is the one. You know, is the basis. Obviously, the the, the source of our right. whole life. So the the logical implication is, who gave me this life? So when does your when does this time what is the time period that the book takes it, place? It's it's all it it begins in late 1964. It spans the year 1965, which I believe was an mm-hmm. absolute pivot point for our culture and also a year that was is very similar to the era we're in right now. You find right. found our our country being terribly polarized between the generations, mm-hmm. uh, between political factions, between right. culture, between those who believe and those who do not. And it, right. it was like uh, and it was like everybody is not my brother unless they unless they believe and act the same way I do. Mm-hmm. And that's very similar to what we have today. Right. Well, and you also mentioned, you know, about that the one particular athlete, you know, about how he is filled with joy in mm-hmm. playing. And it's an interesting Sean, because there's so many athletes today that because of all the things going on, they're not filled with joy. And uh, they don't, it, it's almost like they're just, you know, here they are, a 10 year old, and it's like a professional sport for yeah. them. And it's like a job. Well, Sean, yeah. I, I met, because you're a baseball player, I'm, I'm sure you've met that challenge in your own career. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were definitely um, times in, our, in my baseball career that, um, you know, the joy was sucked out of it because it was such a, you know, it was such a, Jill used the word, a pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's such a, a demand for results. There was such a, a demand for perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's amazing. Even, I mean, every baseball player knows this, and many non-baseball players know this, that, like, baseball is such a game of failure. Mm-hmm. If you hit 300, you're, you failed. you failed seven times. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And that's good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it is amazing. And, you know, growing up in uh, Southern California, culture actually just moved here to the Treasure Valley within the last year. Um, you know, just, there's been a huge movement into, you know, club sports and Mm -hmm. kids, the younger and younger and younger are committing to a year round baseball season. I mean, other sports as well, but I just, I I know the baseball culture really well. And I mean, that, that pressure and Mm -hmm. the intensity of it is starting at an earlier and earlier and earlier Mm -hmm. age. It's amazing. And at the same time, sports at its best, and, and this is the way God intended it is, is meant to develop the whole person. And you see that. Uh, I mean, I haven't played baseball for a good many years. I played when I was younger. But um, you, you see that in, in, in even movies like When the Game Stands Tall, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, or Remember yeah. the Titans. I mean, this yeah. is about building human beings. And do they seek success? Of course. Everybody wants to succeed. Mm-hmm. But that's not all they're seeking. And, and they won't be satisfied if that's all they get. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that's really important. I mean, in, in, in generation, you start out, and this is like in the first two pages of it, so it's just in the beginning. And on the same day, you have uh, John Randall is the protagonist, Jonathan Randall. His father, his alcohol, alcoholic father is killed in a, in a car crash because he was driving drunk. Mm. The brother of one of the other principal characters, a woman named Rindy Davenport, a young woman, they're, they're teenagers, uh, is killed in Vietnam at a time when American troops weren't supposed to be fighting over there. And then uh, Randall himself is—he's—he's uh, he, he's, uh, the way I wrote it in the, in the beginning. It just says, "And a California teenager fell out of the sky and broke his arm." Well, what he was doing was cutting school oh, to go geez. to go serve. Because see, these kids are so mistrustful of anybody in authority over them, and and with good reason, by the way. I don't—I mean, I, w- I could blame them for the wrong choices, the poor choices they make, but I don't blame them for the mistrust because that's the way I grew up, and I see a lot of that today. Mm. But uh, uh, but. Uh, so they're, they're so mistrustful that all they're looking for is, how do I get through the day and you know kind of end it with a smile on my face? Well, if I cut school and go surfing, that's getting through the day as long as I don't get caught. Yeah. Well, when he, best, when he breaks his arm, they all get caught, and it kind of goes downhill from there. But over the course of a number of chapters, they begin to realize that, hey, I think the older generation is bankrupt. I'm just as bankrupt. Mm. I'm not living for a three-martini lunch. I'm living for the next wave, and that's all I want. Hmm. And the next wave is pretty darn good, but it's not all that there is for us. Mm-hmm. And as they, they, they make a commitment, they don't like wake up one day and say, I need to accept Jesus as my savior. Most people don't. Mm-hmm. But what they do wake up one day and decide or discover is I need to get real. Mm-hmm. And as they seek to get real and have very little idea of how to get real, mm-hmm. they, they start drift, drifting down a road that's going to take them to Jesus one way or another, hopefully. Now, they don't all accept Jesus by the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Some of them do. Some of them don't. But the, the road that they're on, there's only one place for it to terminate. And, and I, I would say that would be true of any real road that we're traveling. Mm, yeah. Wow. Well, I'm sitting here, um, and I, we, we want to get more into you, the book, but yeah. you talk about the, it says here, uh, um, in the 60s, there were sex, drugs, and rock and roll. There was mm-hmm. also the Jesus People movement. Yes. And one, devo- one devolved into bombings and hatred. The other sent uh, a message of love around the world. And that your book, The Generation, tells the story of how it all began, 1965, yes. the year the boomers, uh, the boomers began. So, What happened, you know, the Jesus people doesn't break out till about two years after Generation is, is set. But it, there, there had to be a foundation. And you have uh, this, the, this pastor that they decide that they can trust, even though they don't agree with his beliefs. But they trust him. They find him to be a man of integrity named Jared Roybal. And they meet him because he does the funeral for John's father. And he, and he has the nerve to say, now, I don't know where Mr. Randall is at this time, but I do know that God loves him very, very much. And, and some of them, well, and some of the characters are deeply offended true, by that. Yeah. And others are saying, wow, this guy's real. This guy's really real, and they, you know, and they, and they, they want a friendship with him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so there, there's that, and I've, I've lost my train of thought now. I apologize for that. <laughs> but, but the bottom line is that is that is that uh, that this Jared Roybal will will become one of the key people. I mean, he's a fictional character, but he will become one of the key people in less than two years, and he's already outside the box. He's a maverick, and that's that's the reason they're drawn to him. And, and Jonathan Randall, once once he accepts Jesus at the very very end of the book will also become a key figure in the Jesus people. And it's all about who is God and, 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 and how do I get close to him and what does he want from me, as opposed to this or that doctrinal position, which may or may, may not be correct, but it's not about that. It's about a person. Hmm. That's cool. And that was a stumbling block for me as a, as, as a young person, was that I, 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 could, I, could, I could go anywhere you wanted me to with principles and logic, but I didn't believe God was a person. Mm-hmm. And that was all I ever really needed to know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's the, the crazy mystery part that Paul, the Apostle Paul talked right. about, you know, of Jesus living in us. Mm-hmm. And um, well, I'm sitting here looking at the cover of your, the book. It's really, really cool looking cover. Tell us a little bit about that, James. I wish I could take credit for that cover. You, uh, you'll, you'll, I called you, you can, James, but we've been calling the, you Jim. You can, call me, you can call me anything but late for dinner. <laughs> But what, what they, in 1965, the, the cultural upheavals that were happening was the Civil Rights Revolution, the Vietnam War is heating up, and of course, Lyndon Johnson's Great Society. And all of this was cataclysmic, some good, some not so much. Um, so the cover actually has this, this gentleman, all you see is a pair of human eyes looking down over a Vietnamese countryside with aircraft flying over it, dropping what I presume to be Agent Orange. And it mm-hmm. just, there's a star that says Generation yeah. James A. Wilson. I wish I could take credit for that cover. I sent the publisher some pictures that I thought were very helpful. It'd be a little <laughs> montage of surfing and, and the civil rights march in Vietnam, and, and wouldn't that be cool? And they sent back this cover, and I said, oh, my goodness. That it's is cool at looking. least 4,000% better than what I sent them. Thank God they didn't pay any attention to uh, my some advice. Some surfers on the front would have been intriguing, too. I like well, that. You know what? Maybe, maybe, we'll have them, maybe we'll have them in the next one. Well, you wanted to read just a short little ex- excerpt of the intro. Was that right? Well, I think, just, I, I, think I, just, I, think I did kind of summarize it for you. I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 let, me, let me just start off and see yeah, how fast I can get through it. Yeah, that'd be great. If so. I can uh, find it. We've just gotten past the acknowledgement. Uh, here we go. The, um, you ready for that? Sure. The sky was beginning to turn pink along Southern California's Highway 101 as it approached dawn between the sleeping towns of Camarillo and Thousand Oaks. A man who had been drinking heavily the night before sped along toward home in a white 1963 Chevy Corvair. He was making a reasonably straight line between the roadside borders of close-growing oleander and the occasional Mission Bell, marking what had once been the route of the Padres of Spain when they founded the 21 missions of Old California. He fell asleep at the wheel, just in time to miss the big sweeping curve to his right. The car sailed over the curb that was all the barrier there was in that stretch, flip turned onto its left side, and exploded into flames on impact. The driver never woke to feel the pain or anything else as he passed out of this world. Hmm. On a military airstrip half a world away, in a place called Bien Ho, in a divided nation called Vietnam, irregular soldiers captured an American military advisor. They bound the non-commissioned officer and poured gasoline over him after forcing him to sit cross-legged on the tarmac. It was dark, and the young man, a 20-year-old from Iowa who wore sergeant's chevrons on the sleeves of his summerweight United States Air Force uniform, was scared. He knew what they were planning to do to him, and it didn't look as though his buddies would get to him in time. He believed that the Lord his God would take him to heaven when it was over, but he was very afraid of the pain he would feel when they burned him. Hmm. He could hear the jeeps coming from behind him, but he knew they wouldn't get to him in time. The Viet Cong lit the flare and threw it onto him. He tried to make no sound, but the pain was unbearable for a while. According to the United States government, the first Viet Cong attack on an American installation in South Vietnam would not occur for another month. Some would later accuse government representatives of lying. They called it managing the news. The sergeant's death would be acknowledged, but the circumstances denied. And a California teenager fell from the sky and broke his arm when he landed. Hmm. That's the beginning. Sounds intriguing, doesn't it? It sure Sounds does. good, doesn't it, Sean? Yeah. The, uh, the man killed in the car wreck turns out to be the teenager's father, the alcoholic father I mentioned earlier. And uh, the, well, you're going to have to read the book. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to dive into it. That's yeah. for sure. Thanks, well, folks, if you're just joining us right now on Heart of the Athlete, we're visiting with uh, pastor and author um, Jim Wilson. And we're, at, we're talking about his book, a uh, new book that actually includes a bunch of surfers and some athletes. That's and true. Back in the 60s. And uh, so... It's great having you here, Jim. Yeah, Jim, um, 
I was cu curious, and you explained a little bit, but more on a personal level, why why did you put the pen to paper and start this book? I couldn't not. Hmm. Uh, truthfully, I, I believe that when when you're called to write or paint or, or any of the other arts, you you can force yourself not to do it, but you but you, it, it doesn't end well. I mean, this is something that needs to get out of you. The Lord literally gave me the outline for this story in the mid 1990s. And I worked on it on and off. I was a pastor. I was very, very busy. I began leading a parachurch ministry called Pray North State in 2001, busier still. And so, okay, you know, occasionally I would write for an hour or so, but I wasn't really writing, but it was burning a hole in me. And in 2010, 2011, I was able to find some time uh, and, and, and a freebie. I mean, God, God, God was grace-filled, grace and a Christian guest ranch actually gave me space. I could go up there for three or four days at a time whenever I could get that, that amount of time and write. And I got the draft finished by the end of 2011. I could not find a publisher to save my life. And when I moved to Australia temporarily to be with, to be with my wife while we were waiting for her green card, and the th I had just given up. I mean, I'd, I'd gone to at least a dozen different publishing houses and tried to get an agent, and, and nothing was working. And they all said the book was too long, which it's, it's nowhere near as long as they thought it was, be that as it may. Jill says to me, well, why don't you try an Australian publisher? And I said, Jill, they don't accept unsolicited manuscripts. It's just not going to happen. She said, well, what have you got to lose? And I was just kind of marking time because I was not allowed to work on my visa. So I, I uh, do Googled, you know, publishers who accept unsolicited manuscripts and came up with six. And the first one I had a feeling about. Wow. And it was Austin McCauley. And I did submit the book to all six of them. Austin McCauley was the one who offered me a contract. And the book was, was published in, in uh, just last March. In fact, I'm going to be doing this is one of the reasons, one, one of the things I'd like to mention here is that uh, there will be a book signing right. uh, of Generation uh, at Barnes & Noble in Milwaukee in, in Boise on October the 6th. And they're actually doing it in two segments from 1 to 3 p.m. and from 4 to 6 p.m. And that's to give me an opportunity to share with people who come who might be aspiring writers or, or, or being in a log jam or something like that, just the craft of writing it, and I will tell you, if you want to write, if you want to write fiction, or for that matter, if you want to write nonfiction, that people will read, you got to start out with a disaster. So that's October sixth. October sixth, Barnes and Noble Barnes, here in Boise, and from one to three, and from three to six. Okay. And they will also, by the way, they'll also be featuring one of my nonfiction books, uh, Kingdom in Pursuit, which is a, a collection of an anthology of essays for those who mm. might be more interested in the nonfiction. So. Well, I'm, you know, as I'm reading, just a as learning a little more about your book mm -hmm. and uh, just about where we are culturally right now, you know, now and where you have been and where we were back in the sixties and early seventies, you know, um, uh, just, I'm, I'm curious about what your thoughts are about. Cause I know I, I run to people from time to time. They're praying for a second, you know, another Jesus movement, mm -hmm. you know, to happen. And, and I'm one of them. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. And, and I know Sean and I, we pray for God to use coaches and athletes yeah. to help usher that in. He's going to have uh, to, because these are guys who are credible leaders. Mm -hmm. They're credible leaders in, 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 in some unique ways. That's right. So, when you yeah. go to a ball game, mm -hmm. there's, not a lot of division except between the two teams, mm -hmm. the, the, the fans that are wearing the different colors in the stands. And, uh, but, uh, why do you even, think that is even the, well, even the fans on the, on the same team, there might be all kinds of divisions, but yet they're unified in mm -hmm. support. I think what you've got there is people who are seeking a common goal there. And, and, and I think that's what God is calling us to do. See, I, now I, I'm a maverick and, and you may say, well, Jim, where did you get such crazy ideas? I don't think it is anywhere near as necessary because most people who don't know Jesus don't want to know Jesus. 
it is not necessary for people to say, I've got to find Jesus if he's real. They, they, they don't need that anywhere near as much as they need to be committed to finding something authentic and something true because Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Amen. And if they're committed to finding something really real, which is not, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't offend their sense of, you can't tell me I'm a sinner. Right. If they're committed to finding something real, they're going to find Jesus. There isn't anything else for them to find. Right. And, that's, and that's good. That's the way, I, I think that's the way he, I think he's, he's pulled us right into his hands if you will. And as far as the Jesus people coming, mm-hmm. I, I believe with all my heart that the Lord has promised it'll be another Jesus people. The, the thing is, what, what trips us up is those of us, and, and you're, you're old enough to remember this, Ken, and, and I am too. I, I don't know about I you, Sean. 65. Well, there you go. There you go. But, <laughs> but you, you know what the Jesus, it's not going to be the same Jesus people. They were a bunch of drugged out hippies who the Lord brought down from their high and introduced himself to them, and they spread all over the world. And that was our third great awakening. This next one, they're going to be Jesus people, but because they're seeking Jesus, not because they look exactly like the kids in 1967 through about 1980 right. uh, who, who, who met Jesus. And if we're looking for the same thing, if we're looking for nostalgia, like so many my age, yeah, I want to do it again. It's not going to happen again mm-hmm. because God has newer and bigger and better plans. Mm-hmm. And what we need to be seeking is what he's doing now, not what he did then. Yeah, Jim, man, I love hearing your heart. I really do. And um I love hearing about this book. And earlier in the show, you mentioned how you grew up surfing, and you mm-hmm. said you were riding the uh, riding on the back of creation, on the back of creation, yeah. um, yet not necessarily acknowledging the Creator. Oh, I absolutely refuse to acknowledge. Yeah. It. So, what was what was that like? And we were talking about the Jesus movement, people coming to Christ, you know, winning hearts for the kingdom. What about you personally? When did that happen? I, I met Jesus in 1970. On, in fact, I met him. You know how people people love to talk. They would say, "When were you saved?" Well, I met Jesus on April 20th, 1970 at about 10.22 in the morning, but that's not when I was saved. I was saved on a hill outside of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Amen. <laughs> that's Amen to that. yeah. But uh, I, was in, I was in a high school classroom. I was proctoring. I was a teacher, and I was proctoring uh, an exam, and I was one of these guys who would carry on a conversation in my head if anybody else was listening that was okay but not necessary. And I was, I, I was a philosophy major at San Diego State, so I'm, you know, what is, I'm trying to, what is really real? What is truth? Yeah. What is so on and so forth? And all of a sudden, I said, and I don't know why, I don't know what prompted me internally, but it was like, and nobody heard me but Jesus, but it was as though, to myself, I was roaring inside. If you're up there and you know my name and that means anything to you, say something. Mm -hmm. And he began to speak to me in words that would, you know, that were tailored for me. And I said, Mm -hmm. well, I guess, I guess I belong to you now, Lord Jesus. And then later that night, I've, I've been subject to visions all my life. I didn't know what to do with them before I met Jesus, but I would still have them. Later that night, I was outside of my apartment, and I was kind of sitting on the lip of a canyon in San Diego. That's where I lived at the time. And I saw in this vision of this lighted cross in the sky. And it, it was ginormous. I mean, I, I, I couldn't tell you how it was somewhere from 20 feet to 200 feet long, depending on the, but, but I kept thinking it must be an optical illusion. And I would squint and close one eye and try to make it go away. And it wouldn't go away. And at this point I said out loud, anybody who had been nearby would have heard me. I just said, what do you want? And he said back as clearly as I'm saying to you, he said, all of you. And I'm still finding out what that means. And that's 48 years later. Wow. Wow. That's the, but that's the beauty of it. Yeah. It's still finding out. Yes. Right. It's a great journey, Amen. great adventure. Amen. And uh, like Paul said, um, too, that you know, without Jesus, there's really no true, true vision of reality. Amen. And uh, so, I wanna, Jim, it's been great visiting with you here. I know we're 
Time has gone by fast, hasn't it, it Sean? It sure has. <laughs> it always does. Yeah. So, Jim, how how if if people are interested in getting a hold of your book, how mm-hmm. how can we get a, how can they do that? They can they can get it on Amazon. Okay. Look for Generation by James A. Wilson. Okay. They can contact me directly at PrayNorthState at gmail.com. I'll be happy to supply them. Repeat that again. PrayNorthState okay. at gmail.com. Of course, they can get it at uh, at, at uh, Barnes and Noble in Boise. Those and and I don't know of any other sources in Boise right okay. now, but I'll keep you posted. And folks, if you uh, if if you get a hold of us on our FCA uh, website mm-hmm. here, fcaidaho.org, mm-hmm. um, we can also put you in touch with Jim because be he lives here locally in the Treasure Valley. So live in star. I, by the way, I'm going to be going to be teaching a couple of classes for aspiring writers. And I'll, I'll if I don't know if you'd want to put that up on your website, but I'll get you the information. Sure. Yeah. Tell, yeah. That, that'd be great. I'll be teaching one in Eagle and one in Caldwell and then one in star. Okay, cool. Well, Sean, um, if folks want to get more information about FCA here in Idaho, they can get that on our website, can't they? They sure can. FCAidaho.org. And uh, we'll, uh, you can get a hold of Sean, who's our Cannon County Director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Pablo Moreno, who's in 80 County and at Boise State, and then Ryan Seals out there in the Fruitland, Ontario area, the Idaho, Oregon border towns. And so uh, you can uh, get a hold of us there if you're interested in getting your kids involved in a huddle. Um, uh, we've got some great stuff coming up. We got our bowl breakfast in December. We have Tim Brown, former Heisman, Heisman Trophy winner. And, wow. Uh, he's uh, NFL Hall of Famer, play, for, play with the Raiders. He's going to be speaking on December 20th, Praise Thursday God. morning at the Boise Center in downtown Boise. So. Let me say just one thing about FCA. Sure. I talked about authenticity and about the character seeking authenticity, and that's what you need to seek, and you will find Jesus. My experience of FCA, you guys are the real deal. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm, you are what I'm talking about when I say seeking authenticity. Oh, praise God. Well, we appreciate that, Jim. Well, thanks, Jim, for being on the air. Folks, have a great day and uh, look forward to being with you next Saturday morning. God bless you. Thanks for listening today. If you are interested in getting involved with FCA or would like to donate to the FCA ministry, you can contact us through the FCA Idaho website at fcaidaho.org. Join us next week for The Heart of the Athlete, a production of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Idaho and KBXL, The Voice. Yeah.